I've got my cuppa in my hand and I'm all ears, ready for another episode of State of Mind with me, Richard Sefton. I'm on Twitter at Richard Sefton3 if you'd like to get in touch. Meanwhile, go get yourself a cuppa and let's get talking. I have on my sofa today a truly amazing person. What a life this lady has led. Journalist, TV presenter, barrister and politician. And for me personally, watching this person since 2016 gave me hope. I enjoyed hearing her words in the House of Commons and looked forward to them. Hated seeing her hounded in the street, but admired her determination and backbone. Seemingly never want to back down or shy away from a dangerous situation, Anna Subri has decided to come and talk to me. Anna Subri, it's an <laughs> honour. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. What a great introduction. Thank there was you. a slight April Fool's in there. I'm not going to be dangerous and, and, and make it a dangerous situation. <laughs> I, I mentioned in my introduction about you being on my radar massively since 2016. What happened in 2016? <laughs> That's because you were my voice on that side of the house. Oh, well, thank you for that. And I'm I'm sorry that in the end, it just didn't all work out in the way that it should have done. And you know, we could discuss as to what what happened. Mm. I mean, it was it, it was a huge turning point um, for our country. Obviously, the result of the referendum. Yeah. And I think it's important to say, you know, that people like me, um, and I, I, you know, I immediately think of someone like um, Dominic Dominic Grieve as well. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't a. It was never a question. That we want that we were disrespectful of the referendum result, or we wanted to overturn it. It was this sense of shock. Just being honest, of course, it was a huge shock. It was an even bigger blooming shock to the leaders of the Leave campaign. Yeah. Um, and there was an I, I've got all the material that shows that amongst us at that time as a group of conservative members of Parliament, there were there was a real desire to try and find a way of delivering the referendum result Mm. in the least harmful way, especially for the trade of our country. Yeah. And then things developed. And and to be completely frank, I think as you dug more into it, and I know that, you know, Dominic certainly had done a lot of this digging. He he more of the legal and you know the, the consequences for our future in a, you know, what we we're going to do in terms of you know, working in the future on things like international security with our former colleagues in the EU. Yeah. And the more you looked at it, you just thought, oh my goodness me, this is truly, this is really bad news for our country. This is really seriously bad. And it's mm-hmm. difficult, if not impossible, to see how we can best mitigate it. And that is why we settled on, well, look, let let people when they see the, the the real consequences of the decision, let them have the opportunity to say that now we see what you know, how you would implement Brexit, what it actually means. Let people have the opportunity to say either now I see the consequences of it, what it would really mean in reality, not just all the spin and the hype of the Leave campaign. They can have that second vote. And if they have changed their minds and said, actually, guys, no, thank you, then they have the right to that. And that's that's what happened. And unfortunately, we never had the opportunity to have that second referendum, what we called the people's vote. So I do think it's important people understand that that was, if you like, our journey. Mm, Absolutely. But I felt like by that time it had gone too much down the the playing on people's stubbornness kind of attitude and people well not all people because I did but a lot of people didn't want the people's vote because then they were called you know there was people being called traitors and stuff I saw, we, we all saw those men shouting in your face um, and that was completely magnified for you on social media how did that affect your state of mind I mean obviously you think about you know in the last year because of lockdown and losing my seat and everything that happened in December 2019 and then of course as I say Covid coming along. Um, for me I've spent a great deal of time pursuing one of my lifelong passions which is gardening uh, and I put it in this way I, I go and dig my garden and it's a it, it has many benefits not only one would like to think a lovely garden Mm -hmm. but also it's a great way to let off a lot of steam and pent up emotion (laughs) but it's also a great way of doing a lot of serious thinking 
So I've done a great deal of thinking. I think looking back on that particular time of the late 2018 going into 2019, when things were as you've described, I, it didn't really, it, it certainly didn't cower me, make, you know, cower me into to, to submission. It, it absolutely didn't do that. No. It, it was disturbing. It did disturb me. Um, and when I was walking along, like, you know, outside Parliament, those uh, scenes which became widely uh, seen by many people, which was not the first time that had happened, by the way, but in any event, it, yeah. I think, for, for, you know, there was a side of me that wanted to really confront some of these people and tell themselves where to, you know, where they could get off to. Yeah. Um, but equally, there was a side of me thinking, God, this is really very scary. This is really, this is really unpleasant. This is nasty. And I don't know whether this man that's standing in front of me calling me these appalling names has got a knife on him. I don't know that. Yeah, especially after Joe Cox. What, exactly. And, and the attitude of the police was always, ah, oh, well, you see, Joe Cox, the man that murdered Joe Cox, had had no dealings with Joe Cox ever. He wasn't somebody who had sent her offensive material, who, if you like, would have been on her list of people to be concerned about. Yeah, It was a terrible thing that happened out of the blue. And the police always said to us, oh, you know, you don't really need to worry because it's the ones that you never hear from that are the ones that actually do something. But I don't, you know. That's based on the, the appalling murder of Joe Cox. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know whether that person has or hasn't got a weapon. I don't know whether this person sending me an email threatening me and, and wanting to rape me or cut my head off and all. I don't know whether they would actually go so far as to, to do that. Well, so just was, to hear those things or read those things. Wow. Wow. I was, it really, it really was. And do you know what's really interesting mm. is that there's been a lot of talk uh, recently um, about online abuse and of course yeah. uh, there's um, it's it's hugely concerning it's an outrage when you hear from footballers like Thierry Henry who are saying you know on a daily almost an hourly basis I am getting racist comments on yeah. book on Twitter or whatever mm. and people now are, are, you know they're talking about threats physical as of threats to people because of their views on whatever it may be. And there's a lot of outrage about it. During all of that episode, when people like me and many others, many of whom you never heard about, mm. uh, you know, one of my colleagues had plain clothes, clothed armed police officers attending him when he went to public events in his constituency. Fact. Wow. It was... I, I spoke. I, I not only did I tell Theresa May about it um, in a meeting with her, but also I actually said it in the House of Commons. Mm. At that time, none of these things were particularly reported. And whilst what happened to me on that day when I was walking in and surrounded by this, it was a small group of people calling me a Nazi and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. that did make the front page and all the newspapers and, and on in TV and so on and so forth. Mm. It still didn't really cause the the sort of outrage that it, sh in, it should have done, not because it was me, but because it's such an attack on the democratic process. And of course, the reason why you didn't get the sort of reaction which you're now getting you know, well over a year, two years on, is because it was Brexit and because there was a large section within my own party uh, and I'm afraid in the country that said, well, she blooming well deserves it. Because the narrative had changed so much mm. and the, what, the reason why the narrative had changed is, in my opinion, is that after the summer of 2018, when if people had shown courage, the sort of courage they should have shown, we could have won a different outcome to Brexit. But yeah. people didn't show that courage. And some very dark forces 
then turn them, their full attention to the not just the likes of me, but including even the chairman of the Conservative Party then, Brandon Lewis, mm. um, Nicholas Soames and others, uh, Philip yeah. Hammond. And there was a huge campaign to shut up the voices of sensible reason within the Conservative Party and wherever else they might exist. And so there was this very concerted campaign to get people like Philip Hammond deselected. Yeah. Um, and if you look back at that, as I've been able to do, almost every single person that they targeted, for whatever reason, is now no longer in Parliament. And I think when his the history of this period uh, of our country of our country is written, it will be seen for what it was. A, an appalling attack on the fundamental democratic process. Wow, whose name would you uh, would you see at the at the top of that page? What of people who led all of that? Yeah. Oh, oh, it was. Uh, if you if you look at the activities of Leave Dot EU or whatever they were yeah. called, so the uh, the Aaron Banks mm. and, and people associated with him, including mm. people, there will have been people within the Conservative Party. And I've always, I've always said I'd love to know where all the money came from. Follow the money. Absolutely. And one day somebody will be able to do all of this. And I think it will lead back to some, as I say, I think exterior to our country's uh, reg to other regimes, other forces, because it, it was part of a broader movement. I think there would be links into dodgy Russian money and so on and so forth. But I think it was also part of that broader populist movement that you saw in America as well. And many of the tactics that we saw Trump engage in at the time of his first election, yes. his second presidential campaign, mm -hmm. are identical tactics to the ones that were used against a number of conservatives, many of whom had accepted we were leaving the European Union were voting for Theresa May's deal, mm -hmm. uh, but were seen as, you know, people because they were opposed to no deal that needed to be ousted. And they were almost every single one of them. Well, yeah, you don't see it, do you? Now, I don't see anybody standing up as you did, willing to stand up and be heard regardless of the consequences uh, of what you said. Whereas now it seems like anyone that stands up is um very pro boris johnson and will not have a word against him um yes. th there's no sort of of nuance on that side of the house anymore that you used to have no, of, you're, um, you're yeah. i wish you were wrong but you're not unfortunately so if you look now at the conservative party in the house of commons before the the voices of moderate sensible conservatism the Ken Clarks of this world. Mm -hmm. Actually, the way that the that David Cameron operated it, in a yeah. large part, you know, being really brave about equal marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that group of people, um, it, which includes, you know, great revolutionaries, I say that sarcastically, like Sir Nicholas Soames, <laughs> for goodness sakes. But these were the these were seen more uh, as traditional conservatives. They were consensual, they were pragmatic. I was proudly uh, to be named uh, amongst them. Um, so it's that Ken Clark wing of the Conservative Party actually was the mainstream of the parliamentary party and certainly was, A, included in government. So whatever people talk a lot of rubbish about Margaret Thatcher. Mm -hmm. Margaret Thatcher knew and recognised talent. And even if she um, had some views that were different and, and, and more ideological than, say, the Ken Clark or the Michael Kesseltines, my goodness me, she knew, one, that it was a good, it's always a good thing to have different voices in your government. But secondly, to have really good people, especially when you broadly agree on stuff, why would mm. you not have the likes of Ken Clark, Michael Hesseltine, and so on and so forth? So she, so she appreciated people who spoke up and, and and she liked a good argument and a good debate mm -hmm. and she respected people of ability and she understood pragmatic and a, a pragmatic approach, especially in her early days. 
that's mm. all gone from the Tory party. And you look at the uh, you look in the government and you look at the backbenchers of the Conservative Party, that voice of sensible, moderate, compassionate conservatism is now confined to an extremely small group. So they are now on the fringes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most of them are really nervous about upsetting their constituency party their local association for fear of being deselected it's it's appalling it it makes you know it makes jeremy corbyn and the trotskyites and the extreme left that took over the labor party mm-hmm. almost you know almost look like a bunch of schoolboys compared to this they're so both it's... as bad as each other so I take it you're 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 more of a Starmer fan than than a Corbyn fan. More of a Starmer. Oh yeah, I mean I I I like um, Keir Starmer very much. I, I mean I, I Me got too. to know him, um, and I think he has many qualities. Mm. I think Steers one of Steer, Keir's. I didn't say Steer then, didn't I? <laughs> Keir's Keir's problems is that I'm not I'm not sure whether he's enough of a politician. And I'm 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 not sure he understands, that sounds very patronising, I'm sure he does understand, but I sense an unwillingness for him to do what he has to do. And he has to get rid of these people from the Labour Party and shift the Labour Party back into the centre ground of British politics. And if he doesn't, he will not be successful in getting the keys to number 10. He will not win, and at the moment he's he's not doing it. Yeah, he seems. I mean, I I I'm I'm quietly confident that he has something up his sleeve, but maybe not. Uh, <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are because, you know, if he can't get back the likes of Mike Gapes into the, I, I use Mike because Mike Gapes was a, a an MP uh, in the southeast, a man who actually he and I were both involved in student politics at the same time, hmm. and you know, Mike Gapes is what I called, you know, cut him, cut, cut right through Mike Gapes and, you know, running down his spine. It's, it's, is, is there, is, is the Labour Party. I mean, that is Mike. And of course he <laughs> left because of Corbynism. Hmm. And, you know, if, if Keir can't win back the likes of, of Mike Gapes, then there is no hope for the Labour Party and no hope for Keir Starmer. And he won't win him back until he puts, gets rid gets rid of all the anti-Semites. They are expelled from the party mm-hmm. and people who shouldn't be in the Labour Party because their politics don't accord with a more central, socially democratic tradition, more centrist views, yeah. should not be in the Labour Party. See, I, I, I'm on Twitter. Uh, as you are, I retweeted something that you tweeted out yesterday. But the voices that are loudest are the most, it, it, they can be a tiny minority, but they're the loudest voices and they're, and they're, <laughs> there's a lot of evil in them. And you hear these things and you just think, oh no, there's no way that, that Starmer will get anywhere close to winning. Like yep. I say, they're the loudest voices. Uh, hopefully they're the minority. <laughs> but the, but you're, you're right. I mean, um, I... I... Do forgive me because I can't remember it now. But yesterday, wasn't there a poll out yesterday that showed that actually the majority of Labour members mm. are still more supportive of Corbyn than they are of Starmer? I didn't say, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't me. put it past them. Uh, uh, the members, because I'm not a member. You what? Sorry, I'm not a member, but I will be voting. I think for Keir Starmer if he's there at the next election. Well, I would vote for Keir Starmer if I lived in his constituency. Sorry, I'd vote for Labour, yeah. But that's been said I'm going to vote for Labour. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, you know, you, you, if you look at my old constituency, yeah. it is still in the grip of the hard left. Mm. And oh. the, the Labour candidate in Broxstone is a long, long-standing. You know, he puts the suit and the tie on as if, as if that makes him somehow not a, a member of the hard left but that that is exactly where he has been for decades and he still is and it, it's it's rarely exposed it, it was in the hustings but um until until the forces of sense are, are running those constituency labor parties then labor will not win the next general election because mm. People in Broxstoke, a constituency that he has to win if he if he's to become our next prime minister. 
People yeah. aren't stupid. They know, they, they knew in 2019 exactly who, which of the candidates were Corbynites. Um, yeah. And many people also recognised, even if their local can, Labour candidate was more sensible, that a vote for that person, they were in real danger of putting Jeremy Corbyn into um, Downing Street. And that I cannot tell you what a, that was such a huge factor yeah. on the doorstep. Yes, let's get Brexit done was a feature. Of course it would. Mm -hmm. It was. Don't. I'm not. I'm not stupid. I know what people were telling me on the doorstep, and in my emails. But never underplay how the British people absolutely understood who and what Jeremy Corbyn was. And in seats like Broxstone, which they know are marginal, they it, the, the mm -hmm. choice was Johnson or Corbyn as your next prime minister. Oh, yeah. and the additional thing about getting Brexit done: no debate, vote Conservative. And your constituency voted slightly for Brexit, didn't they? Yeah, it did. I mean, yeah. it's you see the results. I, I, I do despair sometimes at the state of our media. Hmm. I would be told Broxtow voted 56% in favour of... And I'd say, hang on a moment. That's the, that's the result for the borough. Because, hmm. of course, the, the, the referendum was declared by local, on a local authority basis. But I couldn't attend the count um, because um, I was at a charity event. But colleagues of mine, obviously, from the, um, the local association, my campaign manager, for example, were in the count. And when you look at the results for Nottingham, the only local authority that I know that declared by ward. So if you like me, know Nottingham inside out, upside down, back to front. Yeah. And then you compare the results in comparable wards and put them into Broxtow, which literally is, you know, you, you don't know where the dividing line is between the city of Nottingham <laughs> and Broxtow. We reckoned that actually we were absolutely in line with the national vote. We reckon 52% of people voted for Brexit, 48% voted to remain. Yeah. So I always knew that. I mean, I'm not daft. I always knew that. And I always knew that the, the stance that I was taking would annoy uh, a, a lot of people in my constituency i knew that and i knew that if we had an election uh, before brexit was in some way resolved and obviously i wanted it resolved by way of a people's vote mm -hmm. that i would either not be reselected by uh, the conservatives and or in any event i was not going to be uh, elected i knew that but i decided it was just much more important that I did what I believed was in the best interests of my constituents and my country, and that that mattered more than my own political career. I, ju I just wasn't going to do that. Because mm. just... I could have done, and I have thought about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, I could have just sh shut the hell up and dug my garden and, you know, <laughs> kept my hand at the same time keeping my head in the sand, if you like. Yeah. And some of my colleagues did that. And they're still in Parliament, and they will be able to justify it. Yeah, but I could. I, I wasn't prepared to do that. Honourable. There you go. Right, honourable. <laughs> so. But you did vote to trigger Article Fifty. Yes, I was did. That, I'd well, yeah, rightly absolutely. so, I suppose. But was that you an emotional? Sorry. Was that an emotionally hard thing for you to do? Oh, I as I went through um, the because you physically walk through the lobby. Mm -hmm. And then you go up to some um, pet, sort of like little podiums mm -hmm. in order to vote. So it's a physical act. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, a big supporter of that because it's very important. It's much more easy just to click a button, but actually to walk through a lobby and then to yeah. walk through and, and register your vote. And I, as I did that, I held my nose. And it's, it's interesting. I was, uh, I was uh, talking to Ken Clark last week mm. and Ken was saying that he remembered when he was he voted against Article 15, the triggering of Article 50, and he yeah. he said he was surprised he was the only Conservative, um, and and I looked at him you, know, and I said really, I said but you had never believed in the referendum, hmm. and so you were not bound by it in any way, 
And I said, you know, I did. And I said, you know, I'd be have you can't you can't vote for the refer for a referendum uh, and then not trigger Article 50. So I I did trig- vote to trigger Article 50. I actually yeah. voted to put the date of our departure in law as well. Mm-hmm. And at, and at that time, I genuinely believed and wanted that we could find a way of leaving the European Union whilst for me the most important thing was the economy whilst securing our economic future so i was one of the very 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 few people at one time i was the only person apart from me what well, was me and ken making the case for the single market and the customs union mm-hmm. and then there were really brave uh, labor backbenchers and if we'd had a vote at that time on our continuing membership of the single market and the customs union, we would have won it in the House of Commons. Mm. I, I feel like there because was a the lot. SNP of... would have voted for it. Yeah. The Libs would have voted obviously for it, mm-hmm. and enough Labour, you know, on a proper proper free vote, enough Labour backbenchers and Conservative backbenchers. Not many of us at that particular time. Mm. We would have got it, and it up to up to the summer of twenty eighteen. We could have won. We definitely had the numbers to win our continuing membership of the customs union, and then it all went horribly wrong in twenty in the summer of twenty eighteen, and public opinion turned at the same time. Mm. And I, I, I think from a person on the outside of all of that, it kind of looked like um, there was manipulation. If there was any chance of of a vote going against, oh yeah, the, the government. No, we're not holding that. We, we will there's no backing down on that absolutely and 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 he, and actually i mean again ken and i talked about this probably again <laughs> only mm-hmm. last week that if we'd won that even if we'd won that vote on the customs union in particular in the summer of 2018 yeah. theresa may would have have made damn sure that it didn't go any further she she would she would have, she would have either pulled the bill or whatever because she knew that it would cause huge eruptions in the Conservative Party. Mm. And she she was more concerned about keeping the Conservative Party together, in my opinion, and and in particular keeping the what's now the called loosely the ERG on board far more than the likes of me and Ken, because I think she took the view that we were, as we are, reasonable pragmatic people. Um, we would we wouldn't cause fundamental problems and trouble, uh, but she couldn't say the same of the ERG, and she was right on that in that respect. It it's just been the last five years have just been uh, so different to any period that I remember in my whole life, um, where politics is concerned. It's been completely different. Uh, everyone's got got an opinion, and, and in a way, it's quite good because everyone is invested in politics. There's just a lot of anger and 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 manipulation, division, division yeah, and and division, yeah, division, and I don't division. like that. It's awful. It is. It's awful, you know. And even, and I've not read it, so I'm not making any comment about the report that came out yesterday. I'm just going to say was, about that with division, yeah. And and see that report. Does that report that came out yesterday? Does that bring us more together, or does mm. it just keep keep us further divided? Yeah. And, and I'm afraid further divided is my conclusion. My conclusion too, absolutely. It's, and it's so, and you see that 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 preying on division, that seeking to find division, is pretty much at the heart of populism. Mm. Yeah, you know, that that's what it feeds from. Mm. This this awful identity politics and trying to label you as this thing or that thing, put you in a box, and then. And then say, well, obviously you, you, you are opposed to A and B, and makes assumptions about you, and pitches any argument or debate in in, in public in, in the media mm-hmm. as one of division, because it pigeonholes people. And actually, most debates are much more nuanced than that. And and to, you, know, you you referred to Joe Cox, yeah. and, and she's right. She was right when she said we actually have more in common. And I'm beginning now to wonder whether you could say that now 
you know, five years after she was murdered. Mm. That's what worries me. I'm really not sure our country is going forward. I seem to be stepping backwards in so many ways. I definitely think that. I've, I've been thinking that, yeah, for, for a long time now, that in a lot of ways we're not we're not going forward we're going back and i i even worry i mean obviously i'm not scottish i don't live in scotland but with scotland leaving i would obviously if that's what they want to do i would love it for them but i would hate it for me i love that part of my identity is is being british is is scottish and then wales maybe wanting to go and talk of cornwall going and how small are we going to get are we going to go to villages (laughs) I, i prefer unity and 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 coming together and unions that's that's where i think the future lies the world coming more together and becoming more one rather than splitting up and i hate that that feeling let's move away from politics um for a little bit i would like to know uh how you got into presenting well i'm assuming it's through the journalism but how did it all come about and 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 what was that world like yeah what i um I left, I read law at university mm-hmm. and then I um, did my bar finals, a very bad student, and um, I got what they call a provisional pass because I was far more interested in politics. Mm-hmm. I ended up, I was National Union Students Executive, and then I ended up in Scotland because I stood um, for honorary president of Stirling University, a post I was obviously assumed, I, and indeed I assumed I wouldn't win because. I was a conservative and I was English. And Stirling University at that time was reckoned to be the most left-wing university in Scotland, if not one of the most left-wing universities in the whole of the United Kingdom. Anyway, to everybody's amazement, especially my own, I went and won. So I had to be in Scotland, which was no hard thing because, I mean, it's glorious. And Stirling in particular is just the most wonderful place to live and work and so on and so forth. So I needed a job. And um, I'd always wanted to work in radio. Genuinely, that was my big, big passion. Mm. And any advice anybody could ever give was always, well, you should start off on the local newspaper. Anyway, there was a a small newspaper in in the town of Alloa, a great local newspaper. And they were looking for trainee reporters. So I applied for the job and I got it. So I worked there for nearly a year um, as a trainee. And I learnt my shorthand and I was about to go to Robert Gordon's, I think it was, to do my, what we call, you're in, you get indentured in those days and properly trained up and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And as, as a bit of a joke, really, I applied to Grampian to be a reporter and a presenter. And again, to my complete, you know, they lent me the car, the office car, <laughs> and said, go to Aberdeen. <laughs> Obviously, I'm very hopeful <laughs> I might get it. Anyway, and so I, I applied for this job, and to my, again, to my amazement, I got this job at Grampian as a reporter and presenter, replacing Brilliant. the uh, fabulous Selena Scott. <laughs> and I did that for nearly two years. And mm. I didn't really like presenting, actually. I didn't think I was very good at it. And I wanted to be a reporter. And mm. Central News was opening up in Nottingham, new studios. So... I applied to be a reporter and I got that job and yeah, that's how I did it. That That's the story. Uh, wow. I remember seeing... Well, it's I, not that unusual, but... Well, uh, yeah, but... <laughs> but, but we it's... were all really, really young. I mean, I was only... I think I started at Grampian when I was about 24. Really? 23, wow. 24. Yeah. So new world, but then you've got bravado. When 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 we're younger, it seems like we're more brave and we take things in our stride. Listening to you say that, and and hearing other people in media and, and in different roles, uh, public facing roles, and they say that there's a large part of luck, and uh, a large part of it is luck. Well, you had luck upon luck upon luck. If that's the case, there's got to have been uh, talent, drive. Um, no, not drive. I'm hopeless. I'm not. I, I'm not. No. Really? Honestly, I'm, okay. I'm re- no, really, honestly. I, I mean, I, I, when I went to university, I, I really met people who were driven, and I, I, it was lost, not lost. In this, I just looked at them with just, with amazement and with admiration, because I didn't have. I mean, I had friends at university who got it all plotted out. They were yeah. going to get there two one. They were going to go and work for a city firm of solicitors. They would be a partner by the time they were, you know, whatever age and so on and so forth. All uh, people very driven and, and I was sort of oh I don't know what I'm going to do really I knew that if I I knew that if I practiced law 
that I wanted to be a barrister and I wanted to do crime. I had made that, I, I knew that. I never thought I could do it though, because, you know, frankly, then, which is, you know, late, late 70s, uh, into the 80s, mm. it was pretty tough if you'd been to, I mean, I you know, went to the Heartland Comprehensive in Worksop um, to think that you might actually become a barrister. Uh, and it was difficult, and it was it was difficult for women to do crime. I remember uh, when I was studying to be a barrister, I went to as you have to do, you have to go to all these sort of drinks parties yeah. um, early on, and, and, and in your inn of court. And I met a friend, this this other young woman, and we became friends. You know how you meet people, blah blah. Yeah. And uh, we were standing there, and this rather crusty old barrister male came over, and white male came over as a surprise, and said. <laughs> Oh, well, I suppose you two young ladies, you'll be wanting to go and do family law. So um, <laughs> your family, and what is your connection? Uh, this is absolutely true. Wow. What is, what is your, your family's connection with the law? This, 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 this young woman I met, she, her father was a solicitor. And I just stood there and said, oh, I've got no connection. And, and actually, I don't want to do family at all. And it just, it was like, oh, well, that's you finished. End of conversation. Oh, wow. That's truly how it was. And my God, as the bar changed and it changed when I went back, because I'd then finish off my exams and go back to being about and trained and got called as a barrister. What a difference. Within 15 years, the bar had absolutely undergone a revolution. And I felt, well, certainly in, in, in Nottingham, nobody gave a monkey's rich school he'd gone to. You strike me as a very strong-willed person, though. I remember seeing, I think it was something like All Right on the Night, and you were presenting a show and a fight broke out. And if I remember correctly, you took no BS yeah. then either. So strength is something yeah, that, that, that you show to the world. That was Central Weekend. But you see, and there was, it was a, a fur debate. I remember it very well. But you have to remember, I think there's two two factors. One, or maybe three, <laughs> I, I I come from a long line of of, of tough women, actually. Mm. Um, both my I, I never knew my grandfathers because they died before my parents even met. Oh, um, and I'd got these two grandmothers, both of whom had suffered adversity in their lives because they were widowed when they were young, and they just had you know, had a child each of them. And they just had to jump, you know, just get on with it. Yeah. And there was so the, so there was that, and my own mum had had some of that as well. And I went to a, I, I thought it was a, I mean, I'd been privately educated until I was eleven, and then I went to the Heartland, which was a grammar school, and then two years later became a comprehensive. Mm. And it was a blooming tough school. I mean, it genuinely was a tough school. And when I was a barrister, I would get instructed by this great firm in Worksop. And I, I was because I defended far more than I prosecuted. And I would represent people, and I'd look at what they call their antecedents, which is their, you know, name, address, blah blah. And it, it would give all their criminal record if they had one, and so on and so forth. Yeah. And I'd look at their antecedents, and I'd say, "So, um, are you born in Manton, then? Yeah." I said, "But I bet, I bet I know which school you went to." <laughs> and they'd say, "What's that then?" I said, "The Heartland." They said, "How do you know I went to the Heartland?" I said, because I went to the Heartland. Anyway, it was this really, really rough school. So there was that. And of course, as a reporter at Central, I'd had a year of the miners' strike. And yeah. I can tell you, it was no damn fun being a reporter from Central based in Nottingham mm. during the miners' strike. Yeah, and I think I things had happened to me earlier on in my life where something had happened and I was determined that I would always... Do I believe was the right thing and not just walk away from something or ignore something, but do the right thing. Which is so I well I would say that is so admirable. But when do you ever take the armor off? I don't really. I don't think I have any armor. Through and through. See, I don't. No, I don't think I do. I just I do. I mean, my my other half, Neil. He says he, he that I don't have a fear gene. Wow, Strength which is a different thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a big difference between being strong-willed and strong, and actually not being not having fear. Fearful. There mm -hmm. is a difference okay. because if you've got no fear, that means you can often do things which are rather stupid. <laughs> <laughs> 
Seriously, it's not the same. What do you it's think that you've same. done then that was classed as stupid rather than brave? <laughs> oh, I've done all sorts of things that are stupid and I'm not telling you what they are either. <laughs> no, no, I know I have done I have I definitely done some stupid things. Some of them you might say are include my two failed marriages, but we move swiftly on. <laughs> that's a bit naughty. No, that's that's absolutely fine. I won't I won't delve into that. And you've got two daughters, have you? Yep. How did how did your family react when you were getting all of this? Just to move back to the to what we were talking about before, when you I were getting think, all this hatred. I think the girls they were very they they, they were protective and they were worried, mm. um, and they, they were pretty angry. Yeah, you know it was, you know what the hell is going on here? This is absolutely disgraceful. How dare people, or be so vile? And how dare other people not stand up for our mum? That sort of thing. Mm. Um, but of course, remember that by now both my daughters were living in London. Yeah, and London was different. You know, but people are in London. They do see things different. It is. It's just different. And of course, London was far more remain than large parts of the, of the rest of the country it was and i'd moved away from london at that point so was london less divisive then oh yeah Massively. well i mean you know, ken, again ken and i talk about this but i'd get off the train at st pancras yeah um having gone down you know for the to parliament mm. and i would get complete strangers i mean i did get that in nottingham but in other parts of the country that i went to but mm. Um, so when I was at home, I, I would get it, but not in the same way as you got it in London, which were complete strangers coming up to you and and just thanking you and, and, and almost wanted to just, you know, shake it. Because remember the days when you used to be able to shake hands and touch people. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and Ken Ken said that in all all his time, I mean, he's been involved in politics a damn sight longer than me. He had never known anything like it. And the thing that the girls have noticed and, and one of my daughters only the other day got this from somebody who was she was involved with who because of our unusual surname and it's my it, the, 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 Subri is my maiden name yeah um, but my daughters have it for various reasons as in their surname which was not my idea but was their father's idea but anyway never mind that doesn't matter because nobody's yeah. complaining about it <laughs> and so they when they give their surname they do often get, oh, Subri, are you, are you, are you, you're not, are you related to? And <laughs> and then sometimes people will look at them and go, oh, you must be, because there's a similarity in our looks, obviously, yeah. uh, you must be Anna Subri's daughter. And they've never had that as a problem. <laughs> hmm. I don't think they would, especially with you not having the fear gene. They wouldn't cross them, surely. <laughs> Actually, no, they and they aren't. They, they, they are. Uh, they don't take any nonsense. In uh, I can assure, they're, they're brilliant. They've got another strong woman to look up to, I suppose. Um, oh, well, that, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, you say that they got but, mad seeing that. Well, as as just an admirer, just as somebody that that admired your your stance and your 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 thoughts and stuff. I was angry watching those watching those images. So for your daughters, yeah, it, it must have been. It was a crazy. It's been a crazy five years, I suppose. Yeah, and it's not been a great five years, and no. it, and I think I think the thing which we could never change was that people said, "Well, hang on a moment, you talk about and as I've just talked about um, the undermining of democracy, but you, you Anna Subri, you were absolutely the person or one of the people who was trying to undermine." democracy because we had a referendum you said you, you'd stand by the result of the referendum mm. and how dare you of all people talk about the undermining of democracy given what you were trying to what you you were trying to do which was to stop brexit well actually i and i never succeeded uh, in getting this message over i absolutely admit that i wasn't trying to stop brexit and i i thought the liberals bollocks to Brexit and vote Liberal Democrat and we will stop Brexit was profoundly wrong. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, we, it was about, now we see what it's like. You are entitled, if you've changed your mind, to that second referendum and that's what it was about. But it wasn't actually trying to stop it because the only people who could have stopped it were the people, were the people of Britain, were, 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 were those individual constituents if you like but it was the only the people could stop it mm -hmm. it wasn't the 
parliament we couldn't stop it that would have been absolutely wrong but i that that was lost in it all and just however many times you tried to write it in an email to constituents or say it and blah 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 it did not get through at all as one person i don't think you did fail in that because i got that from you oh did you completely oh, yeah that, absolutely yeah it, and it was genuine because we we couldn't we couldn't stop it. And that's just, you, you'd wonder, God, you know, I think we've made a terrible mistake. Yeah. But the only way to undo that was through, it had to be a, a referendum. It had to be. It couldn't be by, I mean, the, we, we debated, I think things changed in 20, I think in 2018. Mm-hmm. In 20, in that summer of 2018, I think the public mood was one of, oh, blimey. Uh, is this actually not right? Is this something that we should consider again? I, I, I genuinely believe that, actually. Yeah. And as I say, unfortunately, some people who'd been very brave and courageous up until that time uh, took a very different course. And it was, and I think the forces of darkness, as I described them, realised that the public mood was changing. And that's when there was a much more determined and concerted effort to move public opinion away from any thought of reconsidering the referendum, any thought of a yeah. second referendum people's vote. Yeah, battle lines were, were, were drawn. It felt like you were either one or the other. There was no middle ground. There was no, there was no middle ground. No, it was it was it, it was a horrendous time. But uh, and like I say, I just as divisive now. We weren't going to talk about politics. No, I know. I know. Sorry. Let's go to gardening. Tell me. <laughs> Tell me about your garden. Well, I'm very, very lucky because I uh, live with my other half, and yeah. as a as a result of our meeting through our uh, my eldest and his youngest daughter put us together, <laughs> and that's another nice but long story. Um, <laughs> I have this beautiful, large garden, and I gardening has been my passion. I've always gardened all my life, but yeah. I've never had the time to devote to it as obviously I've had in the last year and so I I've been out this I've been up to the green I've got a greenhouse yeah I'm in heaven now I've been up to the greenhouse all all my all my seeds are germinating sprouting everywhere but it's blooming cold today and so my plans to sow some annuals um are not taking there's no point in doing it when it's so cold but a great love of roses and more traditional sort of cottagey garden plants um and my new thing which i've never really grown until last year is vegetables okay so yeah i've I've grown vegetables before but not on the scale um that i'm growing them especially this year it sounds like you get a lot of a lot from gardening. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. And, and, and absolutely. And and any I think anybody who gardens and if you watch any of the uh, programs or read any of the books it's now people really do understand and appreciate that it has hugely huge benefits. I mean mm. obviously there's the physical side of gardening which keeps you supple and it can build a lot of strength. Yeah. Um especially if you dig things like mm-hmm. digging i have to go and do some digging at some stage but i don't think i'm going to do it today uh, but it's the mental the mental well-being i mean I, I i i get just such such pleasure just from looking uh, at a flower i mean th- i mean i find most nature just stunning and i was very lucky as a child you see i was brought up in a national trust area called clumber park in north nottinghamshire yeah um so it's always been a part of my life even though I spent most of my adult life living in the city of Nottingham but um, the pleasure is from nature but to, to look at a flower and it's even it's even more exciting and wonderful and joyous that you, you you planted a seed in some compost and it germinated and then you brought it on and then you put it out there and wow it produced this either something to eat or something just to look at <laughs> in wonderment I, I, it, I can't tell you it's just fantastic it's just brilliant but it's not new to me I'm you know, I've, I've always loved it do you know what's absolutely lovely I'm hearing two different people when we were talking about politics I hear this 
uh, a little bit more, I think, strength or, or uh, uh, maybe strength or something in your voice that I'm not hearing now. I'm hearing like pure pleasure and relaxation. And, <laughs> and it just sounds lovely to hear it because it's two completely different, <laughs> to coin a phrase, state of mind. Well, you States of mind. You know, politics was not my life. No. I, when I was a student, I was involved in politics and it consumed my life. Um, and that is not a good thing. And I resolved that I would never uh, let it consume my life again. And I, I came back into politics um, in my um, late 40s, 50s. Yeah, probably. Back mm. in 2002, anyway. And I I was determined it was not going to... I mean, I didn't have much ambition. You have to really genuinely have to understand that. Yeah. And <laughs> I, it, I did not eat, sleep, drink politics. I mean overwhelmingly our friends and nothing to do with politics at all they're completely normal people as opposed to the abnormal politicians <laughs> well no it's not a normal thing to do normal people don't go and join political party it's very unusual to have somebody join a political party mm-hmm. never mind actually put themselves forward i mean we could talk forever as to why that is and we yeah. could talk forever as to why fewer people are getting involved but i think we both know why yeah. Um, and, you know, look, at, we've got big elections coming up and, you know, you just look at the quality, you know, the quality. And again, look at the quality of the conservative intake in 2019. Yes, hmm. there's some great. There are some really good people there. My God, there's a lot of trust. Absolutely. I've got one myself. <laughs> I won't name names, but yeah, a really good politician was was, was unseated here. A really good one. Um, and and I hope Sad. he I hope he comes back because he's been I think he was in this seat for many years. Oh. Um, but yeah, did you stand in for James O'Brien once for a week while he was away? I did. I absolutely no. loved that. Oh, was no, was it a day to day thing? You and Chucker and no, you no, hang on a moment. No, I did. I just did one. That's right. I didn't do. I don't think I didn't do a week. No. I think it might have been a day-to-day thing with a different person every why. day. LBC, they've never had me back. Obviously, I wasn't very good. Oh, my God, LBC. I absolutely loved you standing in. <laughs> I think but it was for James. Write to them. Please write to them. No, no. I, don't, I don't know why LBC... I mean, I think LBC... I mean, I think they're like people who are in right in the heart of the storm, if you like. So, yeah. they, I know the other, the other... I think it's this week they had David Lammy on. Yeah. Last mm-hmm. week. Uh, last so, I think week. they... You know, and I'm obviously not... Current, <laughs> I lost my seat, <laughs> and we've left the European Union, and we're uh, all yeah. moving on. I had so much that I wanted to ask you about this morning, I know, uh, that, sorry, that I sort of thing. No, 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 good God, no! It's been absolutely, it's been a pleasure, and you are someone that I greatly admire, and you'll be pleased to know that my admiration has grown like a flower <laughs> like Sorry, a plant oh, really? no, no, you're, no 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 absolutely no, 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 no. no but what a life you've lived and thank you so much for sharing i hope that you found some benefit in talking to me today it's been an absolute joy lovely thank you thank you um perfect honestly genuinely thank you and for those of you out there listening as ever if you'd like to get in touch i'm on twitter at richard sefton three um if i can't speak to you personally then i can hopefully signpost you to someone who can and if you need to talk urgently 116123 is the samaritans no shame call them i'm off to wash up my mug now from my cuppa i'll look forward to our next one in the meantime take care of yourselves and take care of each other